Hey guys, welcome back to Tampa Bay Cop Talk. We have another episode of Origin Stories. And this time on this episode, we have our Tampa Bay Cop Talk's very own Jordan. I'm going to anglicize this, Carreno, Carino, Carreno, yeah. however you want to pronounce it. How you doing, Jordan? I'm doing good. It's always a good day to talk about Liverpool. Always, man. I mean, obviously, we're, we're, we are recording app during the international break. We are suffering from a bit of a hangover. We got our... We got our butts taken to us at, at the villain's house the other day. Yes. Um, so I'm still stressed out about that. How are you feeling? I'm all right. I'd forgotten about it, and then you brought it up. So that's pretty <laughs> That's pretty rude of you. But, yeah, I'm all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the a-hole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, man, so, yeah, origin stories. I'm all about that. And I realized while we've been doing this podcast together that I don't know your origin story. So I wanted to bring you on the show and get, like, where, what – what makes you a Liverpool fan? Why, when, how, you know, you know, tell me when was your first, uh, your drink with Liverpool, so to speak. Come on, tell us. Tell us. So I've mentioned many times on the podcast living in England. Um, so born in 91, uh, when I was nine years old. So in the year 2000 or 1999, my dad announced to the family that he had a job opportunity to go and work in England and that we were going to go do that. I was devastated to be moving to a foreign country at such a young age because uh, I'd been like like the same school my whole life. I was devastated. My sister was really excited because she had this idea in her head that she was going to be a princess and drink with the queen and like do all that sort of stuff. Um, meet a spice girl or two, probably. Yeah, exactly. Like she was like, <laughs> "Oh, this is amazing." I'm devastated, crying under a table in the living room. You know, whatever. Um, right. But we move over there the year the year two thousand. So the fall of 2000, start the school year and all that sort of stuff. Um, and my first memories of Liverpool are actually when we, the day we moved in to our house. Um, so a funny thing about England, and it's not so much true anymore, but when I moved over there, it, England is a developed first world country, but in many ways it's, it's not so advanced. <laughs> like, you know, like, kids. no, like, you know, they still have like radiators in their houses rather than like central heating, you know, stuff like that. There's still like old, like Tudor uh, Victorian style houses, with, like thatch roofs and stuff, you know, um, and the roads are real tiny, whatever. But one of the things they did not have in England when we moved there was a big screen televisions. Right. Um, and the, right before my dad got this job offer, one of the things he did was buy this massive, and this is the year like 1999. So this massive 68 inch rear projection, big screen television. And this was like the centerpiece of our living room. And like, you know, he'd invite buddies over to watch the pay-per-view fights and the football games right. on the TV. Um, so when we moved to England, um, he was like, I can't part ways with this TV. They don't have anything like it over there. We're bringing the TV. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's different voltage and shit, he somehow made it work. Yeah, well, so they, they have like transformers over sure, there sure, that you can sure. yeah that you can plug in. By the way, I blew my first PlayStation Two because I just when we got there, I just like plugged it into the wall with an Dude. adapter, just blew it. Yeah, um, I did. It. I did the same thing in Poland, man. When I moved there, I blew an Xbox. Oh, so sad. Yeah, it is. It's just a sad <laughs> moment because there's no going back. It's just yeah. like a quick little motion, and then you're like, oh wait, no. But um, yeah, he got a transformer to to fix the voltage problem. But so when you move overseas, they got to put a bunch of your delicate stuff in these, they get to build like these big custom wooden crates or whatever. Right. And so as the story goes is these, you know, 
English lads are pulled up to our little cul-de-sac in this little English village called Gerard's Cross, which might have been, you know, an omen towards the team I was going to choose. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Sometimes I think about it. Um, and so in the back of this moving truck is this big, massive wooden box, and they don't know what's in it. But they're talking about it all day. Like, what do you think's in the box? Like, is it a big dresser? Like, what could be in this massive fucking box? And my dad's all like giddy with excitement because if you didn't know my dad, my dad, like, you know, he liked people like basking in his glory and like taking in his cool things or cool stories that he had. So he was getting real excited about the prospect of these English people who had never seen anything like this, this massive TV unboxing it. But it's raining. So he's telling them like, you can't unpack it until the rain's done. You can't unpack it until the rain's done. Rain clears for a little bit, which is, you know, a moment of, of a miracle in, in England sometimes. But the rain clears and they finally open the box. And when they see what's inside it, it's like, you know, in the movie where like the, the clouds part, the sun comes down and then, then there's a chorus of, oh, it was like that. <laughs> and they're all like, holy shit, look at this. And they immediately turn to my dad and they go, look, if we set up, if we get everything in and we set up your skybox, can we at least watch a little bit of the football during lunch? And my dad was like, of course, because he wants these, you know, English guys to like bask in the glory of the TV or whatever. <laughs> and they turn it on. And when they get it all set up, the first, the first memories I have is like watching like Steven Gerrard and Michael Owen play because my first impression was like, oh, in England, if you're a child, you can be still be a professional athlete, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, I just, from that moment on, I don't know if it was the red kits. I don't know if it was because Gerard was a younger player. Um, but that they turned on the TV and I was hooked. And like, funny enough, my dad's like shadow, like business partner or whatever that was supposed to show him around the city and get him settled, actually gifted me a Chelsea kit when I arrived to England. Oh. And I never wore it. I never like fancied it. Like, you know, smart, smart at the age of nine. Basically, yeah, a child basically. genius. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Dude. They cracked the TV open. They put Liverpool match on, I think, or maybe highlights or something on, on Sky. And I was, from that moment on, I, it, the seed was planted. And th those guys, you, if, you, if you don't, maybe you don't remember correctly, but they weren't Liverpool fans per se, or they were just football fans in general? They were just football fans. And I just um, think they just needed to see how this TV worked and what it all looks like. <laughs> they want, um, is this real? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like the Americans, you know, we're Americans. It's got to be big. It's got to be yeah, of course. bold. And so like, it was like the most American thing they had probably ever seen in their lives up to yeah, that point. Yeah. I mean, you can only be more American if you had like three shotguns in the truck, basically. No, exactly. Exactly. So we were just living up to the stereotypes, but they were, they just wanted to see how it all works and like this sure, can't sure. possibly so you that's know. the that's the first memory you have and then so i'm assuming you went to school um then how did that evolve was that your like your full way into like fitting in was that your like hey guys i like football too be friends so funny enough when we were shopping for schools we did like look at the local like british schools but all of the uh like headmasters there were like we're gonna be honest with you all of these kids have been together since they were you know four or five years old because you know we were living in a village essentially there wasn't a lot of people in the town uh jordan is going to come in and be an outcast and you know it's going to be hard for him to settle because you know first of all he's a foreigner second of all these kids literally have been together their whole lives it'll be tough so we actually ended up finding what is called they have these schools overseas called the american community schools um okay. they're like sprinkled all throughout europe and asia some are in africa um, and there was one like, you know, a 30 minute ride up 
the M4, I think it was, or maybe the M25 up to Hillingdon, where it was ACS Hillingdon. So I ended up going to an American community school. Okay. Um, what's cool about that is, is like 50% of my peers were American kids and like expats. And then like the other ones were from all over the world. And, you know, still to your point though, is that like the common language between all of us ended up being football. Like, you know, the first day before school starts, they had this like big event where all the families could come out and like you can meet kids in your grade or whatever. And it was just in this big field behind the school. And basically they would just like roll a, f- a football out onto the patch and there'd be two goals set up. And then like all the boys would just play soccer together. And like, you couldn't even speak the same languages. Like there was just kids that showed up from Sweden, couldn't speak English, you know, like people from Japan, China, Turkish kids, Israelis, and like, you all can't speak the same language, but you can play football. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, when you move to a foreign country, you have to adopt some of the, the customs and cultures. Otherwise, you're going to be an outcast. And England is a football mad country. It's really the only sport that's on TV consistently. Um, we didn't have access to a lot of NFL or NBA or NHL, anything like that. So like, you, if you were going to watch a sport, you had to get into soccer um, or football. And yeah, I mean... Part of it was like, you know what, I better get into this because this is my new existence. And sometimes I just think it was like this, you know, destiny thing that I could, and that was the moment and that's where it started. And, and yeah, I mean, you have to get into the football if you're living in England. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, every, every British person I've met over the years is, has been football mad for sure. So yeah, that, that's very interesting. And obviously uh, you have, you almost like that school kind of reminds me of what like diplomat kids do or some, or, you know, very, uh, you know, high. It was a very, that, it had a very like yeah. diplomat kid feel to it. Cause like yeah, I yeah. said, like, you know, I have, I still have friends today, like Japanese, Norwegian, Swedish, and like, you know, as football aside and football kind of ties into this. Like when you grow up in that environment as a kid, what you end up learning and like your worldview is like, oh, you know what, like, they might wear different clothing, eat different food, have different, like, religions or whatever, but at the, at the same time, all we really want to do at lunch is play football against each other, you know? Like, we're the yeah, same. Absolutely. We're the same. So then I would imagine going to that school and being in that environment with, with football as your, you know, as your friend, um, it made for an easy transition coming, uh, you know, to the new country, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm like that generation of American kids that all grew up playing youth soccer, Um, and even though up to that age of nine, I never played like club or competitive, like, you know, playing rec soccer or whatever. So you join the school team and like, you know, all the lads in in your grade are on the school team and via the school team, one of the kids that was there already was playing for a local club. And we basically would just pull all the best players from our school team and go play with them on the, on the club down the road. And our, like our local club ended up being like a premier league team. Cause we had like the core English players, but then there was like an American and Ned, a Japanese striker, a Turkish midfielder, uh, a Chinese right back. And uh, you know, it was, it, it was the vibe, but yeah, football was the, was the, the common thread that like, you know, right brought us together when we couldn't speak together or really know each other sure sure that's awesome so then as a football as a general you know tool for that how did that evolve into Liverpool obviously you said you you follow Steven Gerrard but then wouldn't that have been reinforced by meeting other peers that that were interested in Liverpool or or was it all just banter left and right they were all United fans because this is so (laughs) the late 90s right so so like that first half year was definitely like this learning about what it actually means to be a football fan 
because right. it's floating out there somewhere. And I, I, maybe I shouldn't even admit this on record, but uh, I have a school photo of me in a Manchester United kit. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> the year I moved there was like their 100-something year, and they had these special kits. And I didn't know that, like, you know, Liverpool, Man United – the enemy yeah you rivals you can't yeah. interact at all and i'm not living up in liverpool so i'm not getting embedded in the full liverpool culture and not everyone around me is a liverpool fan and yeah they had this um, for a nine-year-old it was a really boss kit it was reversible and one side was like gold and black and the other side was, was like white and black with gold accents um, was it like the pokemon cards back in the day it was like holographic and shit yeah exactly <laughs> and it was just i we there used to be this like uh like outlet mall for jb sports like down the road and you could get football kits for like 15 pounds and so like oh, wow. the all the cool ones you just be like yeah give me that give me that give me that eventually i learned like very quickly like oh no we're definitely enemies and i got rid of that kit immediately i promise mm -hmm. everyone did you sell it did you get your money back I think I just threw it away or, oh, gave, it to, or gave it to one choice. of my friends or something. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so what, what reinforced it honestly is that year Liverpool ended up winning a treble. Um, they won the league cup in February. Then they won the FA cup in May and the UEFA cup in May. Right. Um, and following those runs is kind of what solidified it. I mean, when you're nine years old, you know, like, like, like when I was little, I liked the Cowboys. Why did I like the Cowboys? Cause the Cowboys were always winning, you know, you're five yeah. years old. Six you know, years yeah. Old. When you're a kid, it makes no sense. You, yeah. Yeah. You're just like a, it's a standard base instinct. Unfortunately. Yeah. You have no so I, logic. I just, these cool guys in red that I like that I just started watching with the kids playing are winning things. So that's pretty cool. And they win the treble. And I remember like coming into school on one of the last few days with like the paper clipping of like Michael Owen from the UEFA cup, like doing their goalkeeper and scoring a goal and like showing it to everyone. Like, yeah, that's right. Liverpool won or whatever, you know? Right. Um, and so that like solidified it, but then what really solidified it is when I went to Anfield the next year. Okay. So tell us about, so how old are you then? What? 11? 10 or 11. I must have been 10 years old. Uh, or, yeah, probably still 10. How did daddy set that up for you on your birthday? So here's what happens, right? Like I told what you, the guy that, that my dad shadowed with was a Chelsea fan, got me a Chelsea kit, just didn't work out. Right. But, you know, obviously there's cooler talk going on at the office. My dad's the boss here, basically. So everyone's, you know, talking to him. And he's telling these people that he works with, like, oh, my son's getting into Liverpool. We, we watched, he, I, he begged me to stay up to watch the UEFA Cup last night and it went to extra time. And he worked with two guys that had season tickets on the cup at Anfield. What? And they were like, you know, like any proper Liverpool fan, like realizing, oh, wait, we have a chance to steal one here and take over his soul for the rest of his life. <laughs> they were like, yo, you need to take him to Anfield. And more importantly than that, you need to go sit on the cop with him at Anfield. And so the next season, they, they gave us, at the time, like season tickets were like these little booklets of paper that you got stamped like every time you went to oh the match. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, for those who don't, don't know, um, at least I went in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a card. It's like a credit card. You, you uh, like insert, and then the gate opens and allows you in. 
So yeah. yeah, I'm thinking old school, like the NFL, like the tickets. It was just like that kind of, but maybe not as. Well, it was like a paper booklet and you walked up to someone before the turnstile and they like inspected it to make sure it was correct. And then they like signed off. It was like a book off. of text, basically. Yeah, basically it was like a checkbook little thing. It was like, you know, it was because like I've been going to Bucks games and you got like a ticket and they tore the stub and then gave you the yeah, ticket. Yeah, yeah. Kinda like but movie, it wasn't yeah. even really like that. It was like a booklet thing. I remember thinking like, what the hell is this? This is going to get us into the game, dad. Are you oh, really that oh. sure? But what's more dangerous about that is like, what if you lose the damn booklet? No, I know. Like, it was like, once again, remember. How does that start, even work? <laughs> started off the episode. England was a developed country, but in many ways they weren't. <laughs> We're backwards, man. Backwards. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's what we learned here today. For yeah. sure. All right. So, yeah. So, you get in with the stamps. Um, you're at the cop. Do you remember the game? What was the result? How'd dad feel about it? Tell, us all, tell me about all that. So, um, I was... When I was the kid, I was like, when I went to a sporting event, it, I didn't, it wasn't kickoff that we needed to be there by. We had to be there by warmups. Like I needed to see the team warm up. Oh I need to see the Bucks run their little routes and everything. I need to see it all. I can't miss anything, right? Um, and so like we get to Anfield and like, I remember we like walked around where the like outside of the cop area and like took in a little bit of the atmosphere. And, but my dad like was always like, hey, let's go check some stuff out. And I was like, no, we got to go in, got to go in. Got to go in. So we get in super early, watch the warm-ups, just taking it all in. You know, they're playing the songs over the, the tannoy or whatever, um, just sitting in the cop, not really understanding what's going on. Um, and when I had, when I was told we were going to Anfield, like I made a point to like memorize, you'll never walk alone, but I had no idea about like all the other chants or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, it was, funnily enough, it was against Aston Villa and it, oh was, a, it was a loss. Oh God. <laughs> But uh, I tell everyone, you know, like, like, again, there's all these like little signs and like, maybe is it destiny? Like I saw the most Steven Gerrard game. He scored the only goal and then he got sent off. And oh, like, you know, yeah. what more could you want from a Steven Gerrard performance at your first time at Anfield and all of that? Um, my, my most like, like fortified memory is early on in the game. There's a, a corner kick at the cop end and I'm like sat down in my seat and everyone else has stood up around me. Uh, Cause it's a corner kick at the cop end. Everyone stands up. Right. Right. But I didn't know the customs of being on the cop and like, you know, what we are supposed to do, the motions. And I just remember this, this scouse man smacking me on the back of my head saying, oh my God. saying get up lad. And I look up at my dad and he looks down at me and he says, get up lad. And I just, I stood up and I did not like sit down any more times when people were standing up. I, I learned. Hey, as I, as I always say, a little child abuse is good, you know, puts hair on your chest, right? No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I just remember like, like, you know, for people who have had the opportunity to go to Anfield and even like more so like sit on the cop and be a part of it. I was just enamored. You know, I'm a nine year old American kid. I've never experienced anything like that the flags, the singing, you'll never walk alone. You know, it was all just like overwhelming. And it was very much like a, a spiritual experience, a baptism, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it for sure. From that moment, I was hooked, like really going to Anfield and, and sitting on the cop and seeing everything. I didn't even care that we lost. Like, I, I can't even tell you much about the match other than it was a Gary McAllister cross to Steven Gerrard and he put it in. Um, but yeah, I remember leaving the ground. We went to the club store, got a couple kits. I bought a team photo and we got a program. And on the train ride back, I, on the back of the team photo, matched up 
player faces to the names in the program so that I could know every player in the squad. <laughs> Cause I was like, Nope, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this properly. Right, um, right. And then arriving back home, downloading as many Liverpool chances I could off of bear share. If you remember the, uh, the bear Oh yeah, share. yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like a competitor to like LimeWire and Kazaa and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was no other way for me to learn the chants. Like I couldn't understand like watching TV, what they were singing. Cause it's like yeah. a scouse accent in a crowd. And there's no um, subtitles. Like what kind of shit is that? But I realized I was like, I don't know any of all, I don't know all the songs. I need to know all the songs. And like, so sitting in Anfield from that point forward, I was diehard, had to uh, obsessed, consumed everything Liverpool, subscribed to the magazine, became a junior member, uh, got the kits every single year. uh, And I was hooked. And the rest is history. Wow. Fantastic. And no, I'm curious though, your, your dad goes, I mean, obviously a nice father son moment. What does he feel like? Does, is he a fan? Does he like football? Or he just did it for you because he's a good dad? Like, I'm he just did it for what... me because he's a good dad. The history of, of him as a football fan uh, was that he would just cheer for whoever was playing against Liverpool. And like when, <laughs> when, when Jose Mourinho came to Chelsea and they got all that money, he became a Chelsea fan. Anytime United played Liverpool, he was a United fan. He didn't really care about football. You know, he was in his 40s, late 40s mid 40s by the time we moved there and so was he about to adopt a whole new sport like you know he's a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan and Miami Hurricanes fan he likes American football and that's pretty much it was he about to pick up a whole new sport he was interested in it because I was interested in it but he other than playing contrarian and winding me up and trying to (laughs) evoke those emotions out of me uh yeah he didn't really care as much Sure. Um, he just did it to be like like a good dad, you know, and 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 take your son to the football match, you know. Dude, I love that. I love me a good father son moment. That's that's why I'm curious about it. But yeah, you man, it, it's it's amazing, and it's like it's not that hard to, uh, you know, to try to do the things that other people in your life enjoy doing, and like yeah. doing it for the for them, not yeah. just for yourself. You know what I mean? So I I, I love that. I love that. So. So you're still in England. Uh, how long did you live there? And, you know, what made you, you know, and then what happens afterwards when you come back to the States? So lived in England four years, nine to 13, uh, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. We were supposed to stay five years. Um, it would have been a permanent move, but my dad had it in his head that he wanted me to have like the American high school experience, like prom, homecoming, high school football, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So before we moved there, the terms of his contract were no more than five years. And then we came back. I think by the end of that, he was like, damn, we should have just, we kind of should have just made this permanent because we were fairly comfortable over there and like well adapted. And like, you know, some aspects, like I'm from St. Pete, Florida, born and raised for the most part, except those four years. But right. when I go back to England, it very much feels like home. Because um, sure, sure. nine to 13, very formative years. of a person's life you you probably got your first boner yeah absolutely absolutely no no absolutely got my first boner in england (laughs) that's a different origin story though uh (laughs) but so did four years over there you know of course at school it's banter because you know kids are an arsenal fan there's kids that are united fans there's kids that are fulham fans you know like there's, there's chelsea fans in and among us older kids younger kids um and so, yeah, like the whole, it was like a proper, like growing up in a football country experience. I mean, one of my favorite footballing memories that's not in Liverpool is my first World Cup, proper World Cup. Right. I watched soccer when I was in America, like as a kid, but it was kind of like an afterthought. Like, I think we put the World Cup final in 98 on for like 20 minutes just to see who won. 
Um, we right. weren't really that into it other than me playing. We went to a couple mutiny games, but like, you know, it wasn't something I was passionate about. Um, but so like in 2002, when I'm living there and, and the U S is in the world cup and they've actually pulled a couple upsets. Yeah. The that school was like I was at quarterfinal, right? Yeah. And we shouldn't yeah. have lost Germany had a handball on the line and I'll never, I'll never live it down. Cause Germany ended up going to the final. I think they played like either South Korea or Turkey in the semis. We could have beat them. But anyways, uh, <laughs> if you're, I, I'm sad for people who've never experienced a World Cup in a football mad country because it really is like this otherworldly event. Yeah. Um, like everyone's into it. Um, and especially like being at this international school where it wasn't just like, oh, the English national team or like, oh, the American. It was like, oh, no, we got Turkish kids. We got Korean kids. We got Japanese kids. Like everyone's invested. So what they actually let you do is they set up the gym with a couple of TVs or whatever. And if your nation was playing, you actually got to skip class and like, just go watch the game. And then if England was playing, the whole school would go into the gym and watch the England match, which is just like, which is just like a different experience. And like, as a kid, it's really cool. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, hello. I mean, that's the equivalent to like a hurricane day in in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. So like I had a Portuguese teacher, like a, a teacher from Portugal, Right. And when we beat them, it was just like nonstop. Like, oh, we lost to shit USA. The Yankees done it again. Luis Figo's not that good. 21-year-old Landon Donovan's the GOAT. You know, all that sort of banter stuff. And it was, it was like, it's, it's a different experience, like living in a football mad country uh, and getting, yeah. And then when like England would go to the Euros, the whole country shuts down. Uh, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was cool. So like four years in England soaking it all up, reading it in the paper every day, playing, you know, for the local club, uh, playing for my school and then back to America. Um, because the, the well, terms I, were up. Yeah. Where I imagine you, you would have experienced like a culture shock. I mean, you would have talked to like Jimmy and John at, at the, during lunch period and been like, yo, did you see the latest champions league game? And they're probably asking what the hell is the champions league? So, so like, yeah, I, I mean, work out. I come back, directly to the same school same neighborhood we kept our house that we had when we moved we just rented it out sure. so like just back to you know same old same old in, in st pete um obviously you know a bit of celebrity jordan the international globe trotting extraordinaire coming back to his little private school in st pete like oh my gosh all the ladies all up on me like back up back up uh but yeah i mean basically I am the reason most of my friends that I'm that I grew up with and went to school with are now interested in the Premier League and I'm also a large reason why they all cheer for other teams other than Liverpool because if you ever met me I am obnoxiously for Liverpool so if you're a Liverpool fan you love me and if you're not you can't stand me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah that's probably a good way to describe it yeah I can see that for sure but um the first year back was the run to Istanbul and right, right. like at that point in time, ESPN would have like one game per match day on the, on, on TV. Um, and obviously Liverpool happened to be one of those, but the games kick off at two forty-five. school gets out at three. We don't get home to three thirty. So your boy had a lot of dentist appointments. That is what I'm saying. Cause I, you know, like, I don't think you, I don't imagine you could explain to someone like why you would do that for your child. Unless you're like, no, you don't understand. Like, it's like a football sickness and illness. If he doesn't get to watch the game, uh, he might have an emotional breakdown. 
And so like wow. during the run, obviously the further we got, I'd bring my scarf to school. We had uniforms, so I wasn't allowed to wear kits and stuff, but right. I bring my scarf to school and like, you know, tie it to my backpack or whatever. And of course, you know, the more that I would do that, my friends would get interested. I had an English teacher who was our middle school soccer coach who was actually into football and he knew like, okay, I know what's going on. I know the champions league. He understood why I was so excited. And like via that, my other friends got into it. I also happened, it just so happens, uh, I had a friend that moved from England to our school uh, in the third grade or the second grade, I can't remember which, and then I did the opposite and left to England and came back. So he knew about football as well a little bit, but he, you know, he didn't get to live those key ages in a football mad country. So it's funny, he's more into American football than me and I'm more into, you know, the the football than he is. Wow, um, okay. But through that year, we're building up I'm more and more obnoxious because Liverpool are doing the, you know, seemingly impossible yeah. uh, with this new manager. Uh, and of course, deep inside, I'm like, why is this year we moved back to England? I'm not back home in England to remind all my friends and give them the banter now that we're finally about to, you know, do the big one. Yeah, um, sure. And then I just remember the Chelsea match because my mom was like, no, I can't pull you out of school. I've done it too many times. You're just going to have to wait till we get home. And I'm sat in homeroom with my scarf just wadded up and it's with that teacher who's, you know, the soccer fan. So he's like, you know what, last 15 minutes of class or, you know, rather than, you know, teaching, I'm just going to pull up because there was no streaming the game. If you didn't have the cable television ESPN package, you yeah. weren't watching the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he's like, I'm going to pull up the ESPN play-by-play -play online or whatever. And I remember just like sweating it, just sitting there staring. All my friends are having like dumb conversations and I'm just staring at him. I'm like, any update? What's happening? He's like, it hasn't even kicked off, Jordan. It hasn't even kicked off yet. Don't worry, okay? I'll let you know. And he was a bit of a jokester. So when the Luis Garcia goal happens, he goes, goal! And I'm like, four? And he goes, Liverpool! And I'm like, nah, you're fucking kidding, right? Like Chelsea's gonna smash us, you know? To be fair, at that time, Chelsea was a lot better than us. Sure. We shouldn't have even been in the semis. And he's like, no, I'm not joking. Luis Garcia. And I just get up and start running around the classroom. Just, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> giving it the big one. And all my friends are like, what the hell? My mom couldn't get there, you know, as soon as I wanted her to get back, stuck to the couch, just sweating it, you know, and then get to the final, win the final. And I decided, I was like, you know what? Nah, we've done the big one. Broke the uniform rule, got a detention, wore full kit, had the scarf wrapped around my head all day. To, <laughs> I was just walking into class, and every class I walked into, the teacher's like, that's a demerit. You know that, right? And I'm like, give it to me. I don't care. <laughs> but that moment is definitely when all my friends are like, okay, enough of this. We got to figure out who else we're going to cheer for because Jordan is just out of control. Right. Um and yeah, it was just unfortunate that I wasn't around all my footballing friends to really rub it in because I had no one to really rub it into. It was just me yeah. all, all on my own in the abyss. Yeah, it was just you on your island. That's a, yeah, I guess it's not as fun. I mean, it's much like 2020 this season has been, this year has been of, of us being on our little island, not giving the others the business because, you know, we won the league title. No, for sure. I would have loved to like get a dumb braid going and stuff, but we can't do that. So yeah, oh, no, I, unfortunately, sorry. that sounds just like that, huh? I just, I'm sorry, before we move away from the Champions League, I do have to tell uh, the Champions League story in honor of my late grandmother. Okay. Tell for, for the final for AC Milan. Uh, 
I'm, I'm settling in to watch this final. I had my mom pull me out of school at like 1.30 so I could do oh, so like this the is, whole... this is the final. This is the yeah. day of the final. Okay. Yeah. I've had my mom pull me out of school early so I can do like all the ceremonial stuff I need to pre-kickoff, hang the flag over the back of the couch, put the scarf over here, put on this football kit. And then the power goes out about 30 minutes before kickoff. And it's not coming back on. And I'm just looking at my mom and she's like, what do you want me to do, Jordan? I checked the breaker. It's not the breaker. The power's just out. Okay. Mom, drive me to the bar. Beef up right. <laughs> so I call my grandma. I'm like, grandma, what are you doing? She's like, I'm Wait, watching you tennis. No How'd you call her? Oh, she was living in a different neighborhood. Like we were in Clearwater. She was in Largo, right? Like right. A, but how'd you call her if the power was out? I, I, there was early cell phones at that point in time. Oh, I'm right. Really sure. Right. Or at least yeah. like those house phones that charge themselves on the little sitter thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. handheld or whatever or it could have just um, been one breaker or something yeah anyway go on Sorry. but anyways call grandma grandma can i come over and watch the match please what are you doing she's like i'm watching tennis i'm like no we're watching liverpool she's like okay you know good grandma vibes yeah whatever you need grandma. yeah, grandma's are always over. there for you yeah for sure so my mom drives me over there she's like look i don't want to sit at grandma's house for two hours so i'm gonna go run some errands call me when it's done and so it's me and my grandma who knows nothing, nothing about European soccer, nothing about English soccer, only knows that Liverpool is where the Beatles are from. She knows like I'm a Liverpool fan, but she doesn't know what that means. So I'm sitting there like watching the pre-match festivities. They're walking out and my grandma's like, so what is this? And I'm like, it's basically like the European championship grandma. And she's like, oh, who's playing? I'm like Liverpool, my team and AC Milan from Italy. And she just goes, those Italians, I think they're pretty good at soccer. <laughs> and then she's sitting with me and she knows my team's in red and the first goal goes in in a minute and she's just like wow that was fast and i'm like no shit grandma shut the fuck up i'm gonna beat you up right now the <laughs> second the second goal goes in she's like oh no that's not good i'm like grandma leave me alone <laughs> third goal goes in i'm depressed she's like oh, i'm sorry you know maybe next time and i'm like like you don't understand we finished fifth there probably isn't a next time like we have to do this now or it may never happen in my life again grandma like, <laughs> chill out so i go into her into her toilet and i sit on the toilet and i begin to become religious again and i'm just sitting there like god if you're up there just give me this one. And then I'm all aboard with the whatever religion you want me to be on, man. I'm all aboard. <laughs> Just give me this one. The comeback happens. Elation. Yeah, school the next day, fully kitted out. I wrote an article for the school newspaper because they're like, what in the hell is this about? Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, the, but I just had to share that for my, for my late grandmother because, you know, no worse environment to watch the greatest final ever than with your grandma winding you up for 45 minutes. <laughs> oh man that's that's funny yeah i know i love i love a story like that as well good good family vibes that's great um all right so we're in high school now so after, yeah that's that's final? eighth grade so yeah high school it just continues for, it just continues right but again you don't really have people to wind you up or anything like that some of your friends are are fans of other clubs now because of you yeah um and then now we come to an era where post-2006 World Cup is really, at least in my opinion, is when football starts to be on TV in the United States a bit more. Yeah. We have the Fox Soccer Channel and so on. They get a bit more access. So I imagine it, it could have only have grown to the level of which it was when you were a child, right? And so this is where I start to intersect with LFC Tampa Bay or LFC Tampa as it was called at the time. Oh, while um, you were in high school. Okay, okay. So yeah, yeah tell us, tell, give us a history lesson. What's going on? So 
you know, obviously, like you said, it was hard to find soccer matches on television. And this kid that I went to school with, it was a Chelsea fan. He was a younger kid. He mentioned to me one time, he's like, hey, by the way, there's this bar in Tampa where all these Liverpool fans watch matches and they get the matches that aren't on like cable or whatever. And I was like, oh, where's that at? And he's like, it's McDitton's in Soho. And I was like, okay. Um, told my dad and my mom about it. I was like, hey, this weekend we play this team. It's not on TV. Can we go check it out? Um, <laughs> I remember my parents trying to explain to like the bouncer and the bartender who were like, uh, this is like a child. He's not supposed to be in here <laughs> being like, he just wants to watch the fucking soccer game. And you're the only one that have it. Can you just, he's not going to drink. We're here with him. We're not going to let him drink, you know, like just <laughs> let him be or whatever. And like, you know, I have very, I have memories of like early Mark, like being there. And like, I remember seeing David and like Declan and Attila, um, this guy, Chris, like, you know, a couple of the people are still like still part of it or whatever. I remember right. seeing them. Um, I don't know if they took much notice of me because I was like the 14-year-old kid in the fucking corner just like getting into it. When I remember being like 15 and having my mom drive me there with my sister and her friends and we lost to Chelsea in the quarterfinal of the Champions League and being so upset and getting Declan to sing Fuck Off Chelsea FC with me. And then Marks comes over and says, no, we don't do that. No, no, stop. Don't be so petty. No, stop, stop. They beat us. Don't stop. And I'm like, no, we're going to sing this chant. And I'm sure he's like, who the fuck is this child trying to wind <laughs> up the bar and get them all, like, you know, to want to fight each other? Jesus, calm down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to go to the LFC Tampa bar because it was the only place that I could reliably get the – the football, I remember watching old Satanta sports, if people remember, shitty right. streams on projectors, it's stopping and starting and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that was my one reliable place, if it wasn't on Fox Soccer, to go. Um, and when I finally got a license, I would drive my happy ass over there. And like, I would always explain to the bartenders, like, you know me, come on, you remember me, I'm not going to drink if you want to write X's on my hand or whatever. I'm just here to have, you know, watch the football. Um and yeah, that kind of, I would go there quite often, like big games, like Manchester United, uh, the 4-1. I remember watching the 4-1 at McDitton's with LFC Tampa uh, in 2008-09 season. Um, and yeah, because it was like the place to get the football experience or as close as you could possibly, you know, people singing the songs in the same room, getting into it, jumping up on the little mini stage in the corner when we scored and giving it the big one. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So because, like you said, it wasn't on TV, I had to find it somewhere, and LFC Tampa is where I found it. Yeah, fantastic. And LFC Tampa has now been rebranded to the OLSC Tampa Bay. Yeah. And I imagine you, you're still doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a member. It was part of helping set up the St. Pete branch and all that. Um, obviously, when I went to school in Miami, I, I wasn't going quite as frequently. Yeah, you're not going to um, make a four-hour drive for one game? No, no, no. But at that point, like the streaming was a lot more reliable. Sure. So like, you know, I was like, I was like streaming matches in class and, and all that. Um, and then when I came back and like, I, I firmly settled here, I got, became a more active member. There was a run of two or three seasons where I didn't like miss a single match, going to every match at four green fields and then going to every match at pokies for like two and a half seasons until the, the drive over the bridge became too much. And that's when we set up the St. Pete branch. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of memories, too, of, like, being at, like, Four Green Fields, McDitton's, Pokies, obviously, uh, London Heights a couple times, the finals, stuff like that. My, I have grown with the club, so to speak. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so where do you 
So in that time, can you, can you give me like a sense of maybe your, you know, one of your fond memories, obviously, you know, it's hard to pick one, but just any, anything that, that comes to mind or. Um, in, I mean, in, like know. the run in high school, like by the time we were in high school, my friends have all like solidified being Man United fans, Chelsea fans, you know, I'm in a miserable state most of the time. <laughs> uh, I just desperately hoping that we're finally going to win the league so I can finally give it back to them. Of course, that didn't happen during that time. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I just remember like coming into school after the 4-1 and all my American friends trying to act like they didn't really care about uh, <laughs> football anymore. Like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just soccer, man. Like, we don't care. We just, you know, we're just United fans to wind you up. Funny enough, none of them will text me back now after we've won the league. It's a little weird, but that's a discussion for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the 4-1 at McDittons was was awesome. I remember one, I remember the, the when we beat, uh, Man United 2-1 in the FA Cup after Luis Suarez got banned for being a little bit racist. Um, yeah. That was the same day as Gasparilla, and the match Ooh. was on at 7.30. And I had a friend in town who had actually gone to one of my his first match at Anfield for his birthday with me and a bunch of friends. Um, he was actually in town for Gasparilla, so he met us at the pub at 7.30. Uh, with my other friend down here, we got pissed drunk by 9.30, we went to the Publix down the corner, got a handle of liquor, and sat at the Starbucks with a with a two liter of Coke, Starbucks cups, and the liter hidden, and just kept pouring it in. And just by the time the parade happened, we were fully lit. I ended up losing one of my Liverpool kits because I was just going full at it because we beat Man United. Yeah, absolutely, um, man. Yeah, I've, like, it's hard to pick out one. I mean – down in Miami, the, the one big memory I have is being in this massive lecture hall. It's Luis Suarez's debut game, and I have a psychology lecture with about, like, 250 kids. Uh-huh. And I'm sat in the back with the stream up. Luis Suarez comes on. Luis Suarez scores his goal, and I jump up and go, get in! And everyone <laughs> in that classroom turns and looks at me, and the teacher's just like, shaking her head and I just picked my stuff up and I walked right on out and I dropped that class about 30 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope you dropped it in the, the drop window. That's cool. No, it's definitely after the drop window. Oh damn. <laughs> Didn't get the money back. Damn it. Oh, but you know, like during that time, my best friend, I got him into football. He was a city fan. I remember Andy Carroll scoring those two goals against city and this just the look of despair on his face when that happened. Um, just, you know, beating people with, with terrible Liverpool teams on FIFA 12. Like, you know, it was part of my identity at that point. It was like, I am a Liverpool supporter, by the way, like, you know, right. right, um, right. And so it was, it was inescapable for my friends not to discuss Liverpool or at least be aware of what was going on. Um, but those were the Roy Hodgson days. Oh my God. I remember when Torres was sold and I had his kit and I cut the badge off and I went to the parking lot of the football stadium and burned his Jersey. while my friends watched me wow. and were like, wow, you're one the- of those, man. <laughs> Damn. That's harsh. It was a really nice kit too. It was the black one with like the gold uh, oh, yeah, on the beautiful. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cut the badge off, burnt it. It just said, see oh later. Um, yeah. My friends were definitely like, okay. And there was a couple of girls I were talking to at that point that was like, I don't know if I'm going to text this guy back ever again. Yeah. That's a bit <laughs> dark, man. I mean, I don't even know how to feel about that. <laughs> it's really dark. Uh, but yeah, I mean like, you know, it's, it's, it's the, pa- it's the real passion I have. So yeah. like, I had to, I had to give it all. 
Um, but that real passion in Miami, you went to school in Miami, right? Yeah. So was there uh, like an LFC Tampa Bay, but in, obviously maybe an LFC Miami at, group At there? that point, it was up in Fort Lauderdale, so it wasn't worth the drive. But sure. also the other thing is, is that like, you know, Miami's very Latin. And so like, you know, Latinos yeah. like football. And so we were all watching Champions League matches together as like a friend group. They were into it. They had their teams. You know, we'd watch big Premier League matches together. I remember watching the Manchester Derby where Rooney put in that bicycle, the ridiculous bicycle kick. And, you know, that allowed me kind of to like appreciate more than just Liverpool. Cause to be honest, like at that point I was, you know, and still kind of to this day, like really only solely focused on Liverpool and football, but like, you know, like it was like living in England where like you had other people of other teams around you. So you had to pay attention. Right. So I got a more appreciation plus Liverpool wasn't in the champions league. So watching the champions league didn't have any emotional consequence to it. It was just like a, a, a pastime. Yeah. Like a, new made a hobby of it, you know, of, of consuming soccer together. So I didn't need to go like find a community of soccer watchers to, to, cause I had yeah. it there in my friend group. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So then, so you're in Tampa. Okay. So yeah. Um, so what's next? So after that move back and that's when I got, more involved as being a member with LFC Tampa, going to all the matches, kind of introducing myself. I used to be fairly quiet at the pubs. You can ask Mark and David. I used to like sneak into the back of four green fields and sit in the very back. And like, I would, you know, let out a yell and I would sing songs with everyone if they wanted to. Um, but as I got more and more comfortable and showed up a little bit more high and high, higher each time and like gave less of a fuck, I was like, actually, let's just let this go. And so by the time we got to pokies, I was basically, uh, I was like the song, the chant leader, I guess you would say. I was okay. tasked with like starting all the chants and then also uh, abusing any rival fans that walked in until they wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hard. No, I know. But the, the, the good thing was at that point, like Pokies was owned by uh, Rachel and Mark. So like, you know, an Arsenal season ticket holder, a British woman, they know the football and they actually appreciated me doing that. Like they weren't like, how dare you chase off business? They were like, yeah, go on, lad. You tell them. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't done out of appreciation. At least I'm sure the people that walked in didn't enjoy it. Like I remember sure. one time like a random United fan just came in to check it out. And I just chanted, Oh, Manchester is full of shit until he left. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, Part of isn't, the, life. isn't the nicest thing to do, but do we really want to have to be nice and hang out with Manchester United fans? I don't know. You know, Yeah, probably not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no. Um, the 13, 14 final run at four green fields is amazing because that was the first time, like, as an LFC Tampa member where we were starting to get crowds, like 80, 90 people for a match day. Wow. And you actually had atmosphere in there. I remember the 3-2 against City. It was like, you oh, know, man. That game. the first yeah. goal goes in, everyone explodes in four green fields. The second goal goes in, we're 2-0 up. Everyone's like, this might be it. Um, then they equalize, and it's really tense inside there. Like, everyone's sweating it. Everyone's worried. And then Coutinho scores the winner. And uh, the place goes wild. Full time goes. I get on stage, start singing, we're going to win the league, which then obviously soured very quickly and was the reason why a lot of people didn't like me singing, we're going to win the league in any seasons after that. <laughs> oh, wow. I can, hear, I can hear Mark now. Don't sing it. Don't sing it. Well, you for instance, when we lost the Europa League final, everyone was pretty down in there. And I decided that we were going to start singing, we're going to win the league. <laughs> we're going to win the league. And that's the closest Mark's actually ever gotten to physically harming me. 
Uh, <laughs> he had to be held back a little. And eventually I walked over. He was so mad. I walked over there. I just put my arm around him and I just started slightly, light, lightly singing in his ear. When you walk and then built it up through a storm. He's like, get off me. Get off me. No, get off me. Uh, hold your head up. <laughs> we just break out so you'll never walk alone. And we're all good again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's what, no, I mean, part of me would be that Mark, would be that version of Mark. But then, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. Yeah. Because cheeky. that song, that song brings everyone together for sure. I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. I mean, if that's um, not one of the reasons why you love this club, then I don't, I don't know what you're doing with your life. But so during that run is when I had my daughter was during okay. the end of the 13-14. And I really thought it was going to happen because I was like, oh, I'll have a daughter and then we'll just win the league every year and she'll never know what struggling is like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. And so, like, you know, getting her all the little kits, like making that part, like, you know, the first thing I did when she was born was wrap her in a Liverpool scarf. Um, I had the photos back there somewhere. If I could grab it quick, I would. But, you know, wrapped her in a Liverpool scarf, wearing a Liverpool shirt when she was born. And, you know, just rubbing her face into the crest, like, eat that up. <laughs> <laughs> just get a birthmark. Yeah. yeah. When I was, one of the membership items they gave to you when you signed up with, like, Liverpool, the, the club proper was, like, this towel thing. And I put that in her crib, and that's what she slept on. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, and that point on, like, kind of getting her into it, you know, is, has been a part of it. Uh, and, and good memories doing that. Uh, my best friend who was a City fan became a, was a Mario Balotelli fan mainly, and he became a Liverpool fan when they joined up. And so, you know, that growing that relationship even more via Liverpool and, like, talking about that. Uh, the Dortmund comeback, like, specifically mentioning my friend Cody, my best friend Cody. Uh, I remember when we're down 2-0, he's like, this is shit. And I'm just texting him. Like, you never know. And I'm sitting next to Matt uh, at the bar and uh, Tom. And I'm just like, you know, it's a European night at Anfield. Anything can happen. And we get 2-1, then it's 3-1. And, and my friend's texting me. I'm like, you know, you, you just don't know until you have your first Anfield comeback what it really feels like and looks like. So you never know, man. And, like, you know, getting to like kind of share that with him and, like, you know, help, like, bringing him into that existence of, like, understanding the magic of Anfield. Just, like, being in that bar with everyone so depressed at 3-1 and then at the end 4-3. Tom had it in his head when he waved his flag that we scored goals. So he's just waving his flag for like 13 <laughs> minutes at a time. And then the goal goes in and he's waving it even faster. Like, Oh, it's working. <laughs> I love that illogicalness that people, that people bring about. Like, yeah, I'm the same way. Or I had a friend that like, he can only eat chips with one, with his left hand. If he did it with yeah. his right, he, you know, we would lose in his mind, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, I love that. So with your daughter, though, I'm interested to know, you know, what, she's like six now, seven? Yeah, six, six. Okay, so, you know, obviously she's full on Liverpool. She has no choice, I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't even, like, understand anything other than, like, Liverpool, like, existing as a football club. She doesn't even know that other football clubs, other than the Rowdies, even exist. Like, I've done a very good job of, you know, indoctrinating her in her early years. She doesn't have a choice. She has so many Liverpool kids that she can't turn back. Like there's no going back at this point. Um, and, and like the good thing is, is like there's so many of these websites now where you can buy older kits. It's like, you know, 
she doesn't always want to wear red. So I just ask her, what color kit do you want this year? And I go on the website and I find like a throwback Liverpool kit and there it is. And then she's ecstatic because now she's got a purple Mosala. She's got a yellow one from the 90s. She's got one of the cream ones from the, the Robbie Fowler Spice Boys. She's got, you know, the red one. She's got the black keeper kit. And so. Right, right. Yeah. And But are you, are you teaching her the game? Are you teaching her tactics? Do, do we have a. Uh, you know, homeschooling Jordan tactics, oh, Jordan 30 minute session. What's going listen, on? Listen, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, her ability to sit and watch a full football match isn't there yet. Okay. Um, but like, yet. <laughs> you know, like when we go to Rowdy's games, we'll, we'll sit up at the back and I'll ask her questions and be like, do you notice how the players are all spread out? Yes. Like you notice how when the ball's over there, there's all this space over here. Yes. Do you notice this and that? Yes. Whatever, you know, Favorite player is Mo Salah. She knows all the Liverpool songs. She knew wow. you'll never walk alone when she was two and a half. Like I just played it and played it until she memorized it. My God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So fu- funny about songs. She knows Ale Ale Ale, but obviously there's a huge issue with Ale 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 where they say we won the fucking lot. And uh, you can't really have like a four-year-old singing that just in case they're in preschool humming it and they are looking at yeah. their friends. We oh, won the fucking do? lot. <laughs> 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 but so I would play her the acapella and taught her the lyrics with the acapella ver- or the instrumental version. And we won the bloody lot. Cause bloody's not as like a curse word here. Like it is over yeah, there. Yeah. In America. No one. Yeah. No one. No one but yeah. like maybe like three or four months ago, I'm playing the Jamie Webster version. And usually she sings over the top of the fucking part and says bloody, but I caught her going, we won the fucking lot. And I was like, ah, oh, well, I don't know what to do here. Cause like she's singing the song and I don't want her to think it's a bad song to sing. But at the same time, I was just like, Hey Mia, we're not singing that song at school. Are we? She's like, no. I'm like, okay, good. Let's not do that. It's like, it's like a dad dilemma. I was like, what do I do? Oh man. But yeah. So like most her favorite player. And the funny thing is when we sing the Bobby song, after we, there's something that the cop wants you to know the best in the world is Bobby for me. No, she'll go, no, no, it's actually Mo. Like after, every time we sing that go, no, no, it's Mo Salah because he's the king. So, but she, yeah, she's, she's all aboard, man. I wasn't going to have it any other way. That's awesome, man. And then I imagine her mother's all on board on, for this as well. Like she's, she's she not a, as, she's not as into football as me. Sure, um, sure. But she's okay with family. her daughter being, you know, having 35 kids in her closet. <laughs> I think at some point you just have to accept it is what it is. And like, it's not going to change. (laughs) Fair enough. But no. So like, I'll give you this one, like memory of my daughter watching a match, um, Barcelona second leg. So, Oh man, what a game it's on Tuesday. And the thing about that year on Tuesdays was my daughter had an after school art class that went till four, which means I had to pick her up at four. Now, if you're doing the math in your head, that's the start of the second half kickoff basically. Um, so my routine was to watch the first 35 minutes on Tuesday Champions League matches, then go pick her up at school, then come back to the pub and watch like the last 35 minutes. Um, and so that morning I had her wear her Liverpool kit because we got to collect all the good vibes as we can because yeah, you know, we have to do a miracle. Um, and I remember telling her because we went to the Rowdies game that weekend. And the Rowdies, I think, won 4-0. And oh, uh-oh. I, Again, to drive no, over. Like signs, man. You I like, know, man. The omens are everywhere. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like a damn ancient Egyptian high priest. Like, what the hell is this? Don't ask me about the lottery numbers, though. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling her, like, explaining to her, because, you know, it, she's four, maybe almost five at that point. She might be five. Um, so, like, you know, understanding of concepts like winners and losers, like, con- ag- explaining aggregate to a five year old is really hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm just telling yeah. her, like, you know, we need probably need to win four nothing. If Liverpool wins four nothing, then we'll be good. When I pick you up at halftime, I'll let you know what the score is. So I pick her up and she's like, What's the score? I'm like, it's one nothing. She's like, Oh, they only need three more. I'm like, You smart cookie, you're very right. <laughs> um, and so I put my phone, take my phone, and I put the game on my phone to stream and I give it to her and I just tell her, watch this. And if there's a goal, just let me know. So we're How driving long are we over. driving here? How long are we driving? So this is like a 20, 25 minute drive. Oh, damn it. So by the time I get to the pub, it's three now, right? But in the back, she goes, it's a goal. I'm like, for who? Don't just say it's a goal for who? She's like, Liverpool. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> did the red guys score or was it the yellow guys? She's like, no, the red guys, number five. It says two nothing now. I'm going, oh my God, Mia, this might happen. You don't know. It might happen. <sighs> Hold your breath. Um, and then she's like, uh, oh, they scored again. Because, you know, the, the time between Jeannie's first and second goal was basically a VAR review. And then they kicked off and it was a second goal. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They yeah. scored again. I'm like, are you sure it's not just a replay? And she's like, no, this time it was with his head. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she's like, it was number five again. It says three. It says three zero. Now I'm losing it. I'm getting all like worked up. You know, maybe driving a little faster to get to the pub. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Speeding a little bit, running a red light here and there. We get to the pub around like the 69th, 70th minute, maybe. Come in, and the ceiling of the pub is drenched because the owner Lee uh, was watching with his friends with us, and had gotten so excited that he had thrown his beer onto the ceiling. <laughs> uh, and I remembered when Divock scored, I had grabbed him and like pulled him close and whispered in his ear, we're going to fucking do this. And yeah, come back and he's all going crazy. She's into it because the energy in the place is all focused on and it's all exciting. Um, the corner goes in and at the end of the match, I just, you know, I'm there. My daughter stood on a stool. She's got a scarf. She's waving it, you know, right. and I'm just like looking at her and I'm like, you have no idea. And I'm like, you know, like getting this proud father moment. Like this is our first like magical Liverpool moment together. And it's never going to get better than this. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, you better remember this man. Cause like this, it won't be any better than this ever. And like, this is incredible. And I hope you remember this moment. Well, yeah, sure she will. And I have a cool story with my daughter commentating uh, the epic comeback of Barcelona in the backseat as a five-year-old. <laughs> hey daddy. I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Basically. So the next step obviously with her is to get her over there. Right. And continue the, 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 the father child like lineage. Right. right, um, right. So her. obviously after COVID, is that, is that kind of the next step for you? The plan was to take her for the parade because. Right. Yeah. It's about giving her like those incredible experiences. Like I got like sitting at the cop that like really fortifies it and like makes you hungry for more. And that was going to be the greatest thing ever in the history of being a Liverpool fan. Yeah, for sure. The parade after winning the title for the first time in 30 years, that team that was so incredible, like it wasn't, it wasn't going to get better than that. So the plan was to take her for the parade because I don't know so much about like, you know, wandering around a match day. Is she really going to sit and watch the match? Is it really, you know, worth it as much to take her to a match or Let's go to a parade where everyone's singing, putting off flares. There's a shiny trophy on a bus and you get the wave of the players, you know? Dude, I would just say like, I'm, you're already making me nervous. Like, just don't lose her, man. I'll <laughs> like, <laughs> get like, as you're telling me this, I'm imagining it. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to get lost. If she's anything like me as a kid, 
You know, I, hell, I got lost. My parents lost me in Disney World multiple times. You know what I mean? Same, dude. I got lost in Disney World, and I never left my parents' side again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously that that's the the next step for you then with yeah. your daughter. Yeah, awesome, man. I hope that happens for you because obviously – not this season, unfortunately, I don't think, yeah. but maybe maybe next season. Hopefully, we're still as boss as we are. Um, yeah, after that Aston Villa defeat, who knows? <laughs> well, like, you know, I take her to Rowdy's games, and, like, she gets a little bit of experience in the atmosphere. Like, she sings the song. She jumps up and down. But then, for the most part, she's off on the hill over there, like, rolling up and down. Um, and so, like, she's had a, a slight experience of what it's like to be, you know, at a football game, but she needs to have the whole experience and see what it's really like. Right. So that, that brings me to ask you like about fandom, right? Because I mean, I, I, you know, obviously you're doing, I think you're doing it the right way with your daughter, but you know, for a lot of people, you know, for example, I'm trying to convert my cousin into being a football fan. He only likes the NFL and I'm trying my hardest to get him to, you know, cross that bridge, so to speak. And, and the one thing I tried to tell him is that the fandom experience of being a football player or a football supporter and a Liverpool supporter is unlike anything you could see in this country. Right. And, um, I, I always say that like the closest thing is college American football. Right. And I just want to know your perspective on like, how, how do we convert people to, to how do we have, get people to, to experience that here while we're here? Because, you know, given that it's COVID, right? But also like most people maybe don't have the funds or the time or et cetera, the yeah. opportunity to go to Anfield and experience that. You know, I've yeah. been lucky myself. I've been to games in, the, in, in England. I went to Liverpool match. I've been to Real Madrid match on vacation. I've been to games in Poland. Um, I was in Berlin for the World Cup final when Germany won the, against Messi. You know, I've had those experiences, right? So like, I get it, but like not everyone has that opportunity. So yeah. my question to you is, is kind of, you know, in the context of Liverpool and maybe in the context of, you know, the members we have here in Tampa or the, the group of fans that we have here in Tampa, how can we, you know, bring that here and, and expose that more to, you know, Americans? Yeah, I mean, it is like, you know, there's the football is the 11 guys on the pitch kicking the ball around and putting it in the net. But, you know, like I've just sat here and I've talked to you about like my history of watching with people that I watch with. And, you know, there's some people have this like elitist mentality that like the only place you can get that experience is by going to the stadium. Um, and there's definitely a whole different spiritual experience by going to Anfield. Sure. But at the same time, you know, it's more about like those relationships and, and, and the sense of community. And like, you know, like I have a whole group of friends that the only thing we do is watch Liverpool and talk about it together. We have no other intersecting areas of our life yet. Um, but that's, that's where we commune. Um, and I think, you know, obviously like big events, like the final we had, which obviously is a massive highlight, um, putting that on and getting it together and like having all those Liverpool fans show up and like really giving people that like experience was fulfilling in a sense. Um, yeah, but if you give them like little tastes of that, because they don't really know yet. Like we've talked about this, like American football fans really don't know that what they want is to be in a, a packed bar with 300 people watching the same match, going through the emotions, sweating it out, you know, being uncomfortable, singing songs. Um, and really to make that happen is you just, you just show up and get into it. And slowly, sure enough, you look, you look back and it's been eight years and you've been next to the same people during that whole time. And 
you know, you have like this sense of family, especially as being like a Liverpool supporter, you know, you travel the world and, and you got your kid on and some random stranger comes up to you and you, you strike up a conversation over Liverpool football club. And now you have, you know, a new friend that you'll never see again, but you know, you've made that connection. Yeah. Um, that, that literal story happened to me in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it happens to me all the time. I go to, I went to a, a 420 festival in Colorado and I'm in the tent waiting to get a little drink of water because my mouth's a little cottony for some strange reason. And uh, <laughs> there's a guy there in a Liverpool top and we just look at each other and I look at my friend who's a Liverpool fan and we just start singing Ale 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 and everyone else is looking at us like, what the hell? We didn't say anything else to each other. We walked away and me and my friend were like, I really like that guy. He was pretty cool. We should have said, what's up? <laughs> yeah, got his digits. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he seemed like a decent dude, you know? But then like, you know, you go to like, you travel around the country, you go to the different OLSCs and like experience that. Like, you know, I have my Baltimore scarf over here. Right. I, that was, that game was when we beat Chelsea 3-1, uh, Jurgen Klopp's first away day at, at Chelsea with Benteke and Coutinho scoring. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's really our duty as fans, as we get older and be, and get more into the club to like provide those experiences and like show people the way, because in this country, it's not football mad. It's not a community of football fans. So you can't really get it unless someone's going to be like, Hey man, let's try to show you the ropes. Let me teach you about Shankly. Let me, you know, you want me to tell you the words to this song? I will. Um, Don't be afraid to sing. Uh, You know, my way of doing it is making such a jackass of myself that anyone else in the bar feels comfortable doing whatever it is that they do when they watch football, you know? Right. but yeah, I mean, growing that experience is really down to us as fans cultivating it and making sure that that we spread it in the way that, you know, Liverpool fans would spread it anyways. You know, one I to go back, you know, before my dad passed away, we started making uh, a point of going back to Liverpool to watch matches. Uh, and it started with um, going to the Man City-Liverpool match where Jordan Henderson scored and then Philip Coutinho scored late. 2-1 um going to Wembley but bumping into Scousers and like you know like my first match like people went out of their way to welcome me into the community and like welcome me into being a Liverpool fan um you know like I'm in the pub and I order a beer and like oh you're American and then all of a sudden I'm sworn by Scousers and all they want to know is why Liverpool and then I tell them my story and I'm like you know as I grew older and my own personality formed, it kind of was in line with the ethos of the club. And the more I learned about the club and the city, the more it resonated with who I am as an individual yeah. and watching their faces beam. When I tell them that, you know, um, they, they really being a Liverpool fan is really trying to win the ideological war. It's really like saying there's no gatekeeping here. If you want to join us, come on and join us. But then once you're on board, we're going to teach you the proper way to do it. Yeah. I, you have a way with words, Jordan. English is hard, man, but that, that was beautifully said. <laughs> um, and also, um, obviously, sorry about your loss. Um, that's, that's devastating. Um, no, that's all right. Um, honestly, uh, Liverpool was the, the thing that helped me get through that loss. And, uh, you know, my dad wasn't a Liverpool supporter. He wasn't really a football fan. But I have plenty of Liverpool memories that, you know, tie in with my father going to Anfield a couple more times before he passed away. Uh, I got to do the father-son Wembley trip, which was, I was really happy about in, in hindsight after he passed away. Um, 
oh yeah, like, you know, the Dortmund game was like right on the heels of my dad passing away. And like, you know, it's like a very strong symbolic gesture of like, even when everything's your back's against the wall and it seems hopeless, like there is hope. Um, and there was just that weird feeling sitting in the pub. My dad's just passed away. I'm recovering from ACL surgery and we're losing three, one, but for some reason I still think we can do something here, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's what football is more than the results and the trophies and, you know, the good form, the bad form, the superstar players. It's, it's those little memories and moments and experiences. I will never, every time I see that Coutinho goal, uh, the two one in the 77th minute and he curls it around Joe Hart. The only thing I can see in my head is my dad's face because my dad, as I said, was a contrarian. He tried his best to never let me know that he was actually enjoying Liverpool's success in some way. Right. But he couldn't <laughs> even help himself when that goal went in. We just had this moment where I looked at him and he had this look on his face of like, Oh, like he couldn't believe it just happened. Um, and yeah, like that's more important than, than all the other stuff. And that's really what yeah. being a Liverpool fan is about. And like, you'll never walk alone means something. And it is a family. And like it, People like to say that all the time about organizations and groups and teams or whatever. Like your job, we're a family at so-and-so insurance company. Yeah, no. Like, you know, I look around the world and I see people, you know, promoting the fight for the justice for the 96 that weren't even Liverpool fans when it happened. And, yeah. you know. Or even still, born. Yeah, still take it on. You know, like we have supporters club around the world that donate to the food banks in the city, you know. Um, that's like that community and, and, and having football – having football be more than just a silly game and like allowing you to it, it be like a vehicle for you to, you know, affect the world around you in a positive way. And you don't see that with a lot of other sports teams and you don't even really see that with a lot of other football clubs. It's, it's a rare thing. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, the ethos of this club is such that uh, it makes it easier to do those positive things. You know, um, I can't imagine Chelsea doing anything positive. <laughs> like, let's be honest like right there's hope for us all you know there is hope for us all that we can turn the corner and be better people sure um, we have to make those choices though yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is true but um no that's that's fantastically put because um you know as klopp said you know it is the most important of the least important things and as you just said you know okay the results matter to an extent blah 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 but in reality it's the important things that matter the the relationships you build with people, those memories, because at the end of the day, you know, all we do, all we have is time and we have a finite amount of that time. So the memories in those moments are really what matters and not, as you said, the results or this player, that player, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. My most poignant example of that is, you know, when lockdown happens, you know, for the most part, you fall out of contact with all these people that you're seeing once, twice a week on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so when the Bundesliga came back, I just sent out the text to everyone. I was like, why don't we just meet up at the horse and jockey and just watch football just to watch football, even though it's not Liverpool. And a few of the people showed up. And one of the guys who's regular at the horse and jockey, Lance, um, he had this compilation that Liverpool put out during that time of like the best goals of the decade. And the match is going on or whatever, but we're, we wind up all of us just like watching the compilation. And after every goal, someone would turn and say, oh, you remember we were at this place or we were here right. when that goal happened. And like, and then there, were, there was a story 
like, oh yeah. And then, oh, remember Mark was pissed drunk and he fell over and blah, 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 <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. Declan wanted to punch that guy. Oh, oh, it was funny. Oh, remember how shit we were then? Oh, it was funny. Oh yeah. We used to only get like five people in the pub to come watch with us. Uh, and like, you know, that was, you have that and you're like, oh, see, that's really what we miss. Like is those moments and those experiences. Um, and the, 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 the greatest part about it is really, giving those experiences and those moments is really as a, it's just simple. You just, you just show up and you be there and, and you cheer on the lads and you, you just love your fellow Liverpool supporter, I guess, you know? Yeah. It's not hard. Just be nice to people, everyone. That's not hard. <laughs> no, just be nice to everyone who's a Liverpool fan. Everyone else can. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Them. Yeah. You're sorry. You're, <laughs> yeah. You're right. I mean, city fans, Chelsea, whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll see. I mean, we play with an Arsenal supporter, uh, myself and David in a co-ed league. Yeah. And then when I showed up for the game on Sunday, because uh, we play Sunday night, and I looked at him, I'm walking over, and he's warming up. I looked at him, and I said, don't talk. Don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> not, no, not in the room. I'm not in the mood. Fuck no. around. Because, you yeah. know, I'm, I, I don't troll people or whatever, but I was thinking he would troll me. And I was like, in Spanish or something, I was like, hey. Not, nope. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, you're nice. You're, yeah. you're in the, you get a Christmas card this year. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, we could be nice to certain people yeah. and uh, give give them the business to other people, right? So um, yeah, but yeah. Well, so uh, fine. You know, go ahead. No, go. No, go ahead. Sorry. So yeah. So to kind of wrap this up, I mean, uh, we're recording as I said during the international break after that abysmal defeat. Uh, you know, did that put a wrench in your prediction for the season or your aspirate? You know, you no, think what no. the team will do or what was no. going to happen? you're still so much better than everyone. Like, you know, that, like we said in the post pod, like breakdown, it was everything that could go wrong did. And that's not ever really going to happen again. Where all the stars aligned for you to play your absolute shittest performance all across the park, basically minus maybe one or two players. So I, you know, for me looking at the league, it's actually hopeful. Like we don't have to go and win 99 points again to win this league i think this league is going to be in maybe in the 90s but if it is it's the low 90s and we still have an ability to do that Uh, you know the team responds well to adversity so i'm not worried about that as much um and hey i was saying we were going to win the league when roy hodgson and fucking Stuart downing and charlie adam were at the club so why am i going to not say that still now like you know when why is that going to stop me uh I'm a special breed, I guess, where I don't care if at the end of the season everyone's like, ha-ha, you were wrong, you finished seventh. I just turn around and go, well, we're going to fucking win it next year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what I said. I, I, don't, I predicted we were going to win the quadruple in January and go undefeated, and that didn't happen, and I still don't fucking care because we won the league, you know? So, like, yeah, exactly. it doesn't change anything. I think we're still better than mostly everyone. Um, the key point to wait and see prediction shift is the city match that comes up in a few weeks. Um, yeah, yeah, no, this no. team's capable. They're really good. They're the best Liverpool side I've ever seen. Been watching, you know, 20 years. This is my 21st season as a Liverpool fan, so to speak. Um, I've seen a lot of shit, and this is far better than anything I've ever seen. I mean, the 08-09 Rafa team, that was my, you know, romanticizing about that team, uh, you know, like people do with the teams of the 70s and the 80s, the older fans. Right. Um, but now like I can see, and I can tell like, no, this is it. This is, this is the team I'm going to tell my kids about my grandkids about. Um, and my daughter's probably when she gets old enough, be upset that she wasn't just a little bit older to really understand and appreciate what was going on. Yeah. I know. Um, what a shame. So I'm not going to like, you know, shower them in 
any type of bad vibes because I, I trust the boys. All right. Well, yeah. So it sounds like I should keep a level head and keep calm and carry on and not stress out so much. And I Here's hope- the thing. I've, you know, 30 year wait for a league title. Um, yeah, puts things in perspective, right? I, I've waited my whole Liverpool supporter life to see that. I've seen every, them win everything else. You know, my first year I saw them win the FA Cup, League Cup, UEFA right, Cup, right. right? Then, you know, five years later they win the Champions League, you know? But then I have to wait 20 years to see them win the league. I'll be damned if anyone puts a, you know, damper on me enjoying until we are not champions the fact that we are champions. Right, right. No, absolutely. Well said. I mean – Again, we got to put things in perspective. This is literally the best time to be alive as a Liverpool supporter um, in, in many years. So, yeah, I need to calm down, but and not <laughs> think so, you know, like think like a stockbroker day trader, you know, like, you know, it goes up and down, you know, um, but in the long term, we'll be all right. But this all is right. our time to win the ideological war, my friend. Yeah. Like, there's no better time to get people to come out and watch a team. I mean, a lot of Americans. You know, their football fandom, they are my, the nine-year-old kid I was. They're new. They're fresh. They want to see whoever's winning, you know, and like yeah. whatever. Bring them on board, and then we'll smack them around until they're proper fans. Yeah, basically, we, we, if, like I said to you off air, if we're tobacco executives, we got to get the little kids smoking. Hey, I've had my daughter kid. smoking since birth. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> when I, but I, I just want to be clear, though, not just little kids, but I mean, the, as I said about my cousin, the, the kid could be 35. It doesn't matter. Let's get them on board. Right. So. I mean, you, you bring someone out to something like the Champions League final party or even like Man United match day and everyone's out there, the energy's up and everyone's singing. Um, in my opinion, that's always enough to, yeah. to turn anyone on. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to figure that all out. All right, Jordan, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to be with us today on Origin Stories. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just so stressed out, man. Now you <laughs> I mean, thanks for having up? me. I've never been, uh, I've never got to tell like the whole tale from start right. to finish. Um, I mean, that's the beauty of the, of the show, man. I, I like to, I love all these stories, man. I just like get to know because in reality, when I think about it, when I talk to other fans of Americans or Indonesians about why they like Chelsea or X, Y, and Z, like none of it makes sense. And all of it is, di- and every one is different. It's like autism. Everyone yeah. is a little different. That's why it's a spectrum, right? I yeah. can't believe I just <laughs> compared all different things, <laughs> but it is it's all right. Yeah. But but essentially, that's it. That's why. That's what. Like I said, that's why I love this these uh, these chats. But anyway, thanks for taking the time, Jordan. Um, and have a good international break, everyone. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. <laughs>